KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. KMTT, the Torah podcast. Today is Tuesday. Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Shur Parshat HaShavua will be given this week as usual by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Parshat Lefecha, I would like to discuss the story found in the Torah in Parak Yudalid. It might be thought of as the story of the war. The Torah tells us in Perek Yudalid, Pasuk Aleph, Vahibi me Amrafel, Melech Shinar, Ayoch Melech Alasar, Kadal Om Melech Elam, Vitid Om Melech Goyim. We have here a list of kings. There are, in fact, four kings. And as we uh, move along in the story, Pasuk Bet, Asum Lechama, Et Barach Melech Sedom, Vet Bisham Melech Amara, Shinav Melech Adama, Bisham Evar, etc., etc. They made a war against these five kings. Um, and the Torah then moves on to tell us, as part of this introduction, where exactly the war was. In Pasuk Gimel, Kol Elech Haru El Emek Hasidim, all of these came together in Emek Hasidim, Hu Yam HaMelech. And this, of course, is near Yam HaMelech. And what's interesting to note at this point is that it seems that uh, this war is a war of international scope. Um, these four kings mentioned in Pasuk Aleph, um, the coalition led, as we will find out in a little bit, by Kedar Omer, originated in the area of Shinar, um, as the Torah tells us here at the beginning, Bime Amrafel Melech Shinar, which of course is Mesopotamia. And uh, the coalition they fight against, these four Mesopotamian kings, the coalition they fight against is a Canaanite coalition, at um, Bera Melech Sedom, at Bisham Melech And the war, in fact, takes place in the land of Canaan, in a place called Emek Hasidim, Huyama Melech. And the story meanders along. Here we get a little bit of background. We find that about the journey of uh, the four kings from Mesopotamia to the land of Canaan. We find out about who they conquered along the way. And eventually, we find out who was victorious uh, in the war. Um, in um, Pasuk Yud, the Torah tells us as follows, Ve'emek Asidim, the place of the war, Be'erot, Be'erot, Chemar, um, without going into what this means for the moment, Ve'yinusu Melech Sedom Ve'amorah, and the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled by Shama, and they were defeated there. Literally, they fell there. Manasherim Hera Nasu, and the others fled. And Pasukit Aleph, uh, kind of the wrap up of the victory, they chuat Kol Rechush Sodom Gomorrah, and the four kings led by Kedar Omer, uh, took all of the possessions of Sodom Gomorrah. They had Kol Achlam, and all of their stuff, all of their foodstuffs, and they left. So here we have uh, ten verses. Pasuk Aleph through Pasuk Yud of Perakit Dalet, where the Torah describes to us or tells us the story of this battle which took place in days of yore, a kind of epic story of war between the coalition of four kings of Mesopotamia and the coalition of five kings of Canaan, and this is the story that the Torah tells us here at the beginning of Perakit Dalet. Now, as we move along, this first section, or in fact, I think we should think of these Ten Psukim as a first section of a longer story, a section which we may define as the epic battle or the war between the four kings and the five kings, is not all there is to Perak Yudalid. There's, uh, in fact, a little bit more. Um, there are another uh, two sections, there are two subsections to Perak Yudalid. Let us take a look uh, in Pasuk Yudbet, where we see there's a little bit of a turn after the mention of the defeat of the kings led uh, by uh, the by the coal- of the coalition led by the kings of Stone Bamara, by the Mesopotamian coalition, 
And the Torah tells us in Pasigid Bet uh, as follows. And part of what they took was Lot and his possessions, Ben Achi Avraham, the nephew of Avraham, and they went, and he had dwelt in stone. And then, of course, as the story goes on, Avram is informed by some refugee. Um, and then in Pasigidal, Avram and Avram heard that his brother had been captured, literally meaning here his nephew, uh, when it says Achiv. And he girded his loins, he strapped on his uh, his uh, implements of war, and he took with him um, all of uh, the members of his household, 318, and they chased after the victorious kings, the victorious coalition of four kings led by Kedarlomer, all the way up until Dan, Pasuk Tedvav, and they uh, overtook them in the night. And he smoked them. And he chased them until Chova. Hashem he smoked Damascus all the way up until Damascus. Pasuk Tadzayin. And he brought back all of the possessions. And Avram freed all of those who were captured, including Lot. So what we have here is uh, another little story, a kind of continuation of the story of the war. Pasuk Yudbet through Pasuk Tadzayin. A picture of Avraham in battle. Avraham hears about the fact that his nephew Lot has been captured. He puts on his implements of war. He gathers together his household, his warriors. He chases after the four kings of Mesopotamia. He catches them in the middle of the night, up somewhere all the way up north. And remember the battle that happened back down south near Yam HaMelech. And he chases them all the way up north until Dan, uh, which is uh, almost on today's present Golan Heights, and eventually the battle against the four kings during that night takes him all the way to Mismola Damasek, just left, uh, or in this case, just west of uh, Damascus, and the battles continue there. So we have this little picture of Avram in battle. So if our first section here of Perakid Dalit, Pasuk Aleph through Yud Aleph is the story of the war between the four kings and the five kings, our second section here, Pasuk Yudbet through Pasuk Tetzayin, is the snapshot, or the picture of Avraham the warrior, Avraham the gibor, Avraham in battle. But, this is not all there is uh, to Perak Yudalad. There is, in fact, a third section um, to Perak Yudalad, the last seven Pasukim, Pasuk Yudzayin through Pasuk Kafdalad, which gives us what might be thought of as the aftermath uh, of the war, and let us briefly recount what we have here in these Psukim. The Torah tells us as follows in Pasukim Zayin. Vayetze Melech Sedom Likrato, and the king of Sedom came out to greet him. The king of Sedom, who had been the leader, or apparently had been the leader of the coalition of Canaanite kings that was vanquished in the original war. So when Avram comes back after having brought back all the stuff uh, freed the booty from the hands of the coalition of Mesopotamian kings. The king of Sedom came out to greet him after um, Avram returned from smiting Kedal Omer and the kings there with him. El They meet in a place called Emek Shaveh, who Emek This is also known as the Valley of the King. And they meet at this particular place. And there's someone else there besides Melech Sedom and Avraham. Who else is there? We're told in Pasuk Yudchet, 
Umalki Tzedek Melech Shalem, there's the king of Shalem, or the king who is Shalem, Hotzi Lechem Biyayin, he brought out bread and wine, Ruh Choen Le'el Elyon. So this king, his name is Malki Tzedek, uh, he is the king of Shalem, he brought out bread and wine, and what is his role? He is a priest to the God uh, Most High. Uh, interesting, passing your text. Ve'erachayu, and he blessed him, meaning Malki Tzedek blessed Avraham. Ve'yomer baruch Avraham le'el elyon konei shamayim ba'aretz. Blessed is Avraham to or by the God Most on High, who is the maker of the heavens and the earth. And Pasakaf, Ubaruch Kel Elyon, Hashem Begin Terecha Biadecha, etc. So Machitetik pronounces this blessing upon Avraham, upon Avraham's heroism, and upon the God, the Kel Elyon, the God Most High, the creator of the universe who has protected Avraham from his enemies. Pasakaf Aleph, Vayomer Melech Sidomel Avraham, Tenle Nefesh Rachush Kachlach. Then there ensues this conversation between the king of Sodom and Avraham, where the king of Sodom offers uh, Avraham the nefesh, the people, um, and says he will take the possessions. And of course, in the end, Avraham refuses. And we don't need to go into the details here and now. But what we have here, what we might define this section as, is kind of the aftermath of peace parley, the meeting uh, between Avraham and the king of Sodom in the aftermath of the war, and this kind of negotiation, or this kind of peace parley, or this kind of treaty scenario takes place in the presence uh, of this high priest who is the king of Shalem, um, who invokes the presence of God, who invokes God as supervising uh, this meeting of the parties in the aftermath of the war. So in short, what you have here is a meeting between Avram and Sodom, a kind of perspective treaty between Avram and uh, the king of Sodom. Now, of course, all of this is quite interesting, as it so goes. But I think we need to ask ourselves a very important and obvious question about uh, Perikid Dalit. And that, quite simply, is what is it doing in the Torah? It's quite interesting to find out about this epic battle between the four kings and the five kings. It's quite interesting to find out about the heroism of Abraham. And it's quite interesting to hear about the story of Melchizedek and Abraham and um, the presence of Malkitedek Melchizedek. But on some level, what we need to ask ourselves is how does this story, part one, Pasuk Aleph through Yud Aleph, the war epic, part two, Pasuk Yud Bet, through Pasuk Tedzayan, the snapshot, the picture of Avram in battle, and part three, Pasuk Yud Zayin, through Pasuk Kaf Gimel, the story of the parley in Emek HaMelech, the meeting of these various kings of Avram, Melech Sodom, and Melchizedek, Melech Shalem. I think the question uh, we need to ask ourselves is, how does Perak Yudalid really fit in, so to speak, uh, to the Torah, uh, what I mean by that is, how does this story of the war, uh, the war epic, the picture of Avram in battle, the parley between the kings, as it fit into the local concern of Parshat Lechacha? In what way is it part and parcel of uh, the saga of Avraham, of the story of Avraham? What really does it come to teach us at this point in the Torah, at this place in, in Parshat Lechacha? And that is more, like the, more, more or less the set of issues I would like to discuss um, in the Shi'ur, what does Perikudal come to teach us? Um, how does it fit in? Now, um, there are many 
solutions or many suggestions uh, as to how to resolve this problem. Um, but I would like to try to work off the very simple assumption, the simple claim, that Perikadalit is in some sense a continuation of Perikadimel. Uh, chapter 14 is the continuation of, of, of chapter 13. And um, I think by realizing this, um, this should help us to some extent figure out how it is that Perikadalit fits in, um, what exactly this war epic uh, has to teach us, and what it has to do with the rest of, of the Parsha. So what I'd like to do um, is to go back to Parakitimel and to look at some of the details there, and then to come back and reconsider Parakitimel in light of uh, Parakitimel. Um, what we have here um, in Parakitimel is primarily the story of Abraham's return from Mitzrayim, uh, along with. Uh, Sarah and Lot. Uh, Perikhi Gimel uh, begins as follows. Perikhi Gimel, Pasuk Aleph. Vayal Avraham mi Mitzrayim, hu v'ishto v'chala shalo v'lot imoha negba. And Avraham came up from Mitzrayim, he and his wife. Everything he had. Um, and Lot uh, from the desert. And then the Torah tells us in Pasuk Bet, v'avraham kaved ma'od b'mikneh b'kesef u'vazahav. Avraham was very heavy. He was loaded with cattle and silver and gold. And he goes along, and eventually he comes to back to the place he had been previously. He built a mizbeach, etc. And then around Pasuk we get to some very uh, key verses uh, in the story of Perak Gimel. Verses that make us realize that the story of Perak Gimel is not simply about Abraham's return to the land of Canaan, but it's also a story about Abraham and Lot. Um, so what uh, Perak Gimel Pasuk says is as follows: "V'gam lelot haolechet Abraham hayatzonu v'akavu olim." And also, uh, to Lot, who accompanied Abraham, he had Saunu Vakar Alim, cattle and sheep and tents, lots of stuff. Pasuk Vav, Velo Nasa Otam Haaretz Lashevet Yachtav, Kayarchusham Rav. Literally, this means, and the land was not able to bear the burden of them or to allow them to live together. Kayarchusham Rav, because they had a lot of stuff. Velo Yachul Lashevet Yachtav, and they were not able uh, to dwell together. And then Pasuk Zion goes on and tells us as follows, uh, And there was a conflict, a struggle, a riv between the shepherds of Abraham and the shepherds of Lot. And then a last clause, So we get these um, three verses here, Pasuk Hei, Pasuk Vav, and Pasuk Zion, that introduce Lot, that tell us that there was some sort of problem that they couldn't dwell together that tell us that there's a battle that broke out between the shepherds of Abraham and the shepherds of Lot, um, and that the Kenani and the Prizi, Az Yoshev Baretz, and the Kenani and the Prizi then dwelt in the land. Not at all clear why this is uh, important at this point. We'll come back to this in a second. Now, of course, we know, you should remember the Hemsheikh, the continuation of the story. Um, because of this inability to dwell together, because of this struggle or this battle between the shepherds of Abraham and shepherds in Lot, um, Avram turns to Lot with a proposal. Let there not be a struggle between myself and yourself. Apparently, uh, the struggle is not just between the shepherds of Avram and Lot. It also apparently is between Avram and Lot in some way. Uh, also my shepherds and your shepherds. Because we're brothers. So what does Avram offer? Avram offers, oh, the entire land is in front of you. If you go left, I'll go Right. 
And then, of course, the Torah tells us why he saluted Tainav, lift up to his eyes, he saw Sodom, and looked, uh, chose to go to Sodom, etc., etc., etc. The story here in Parag Yudhimel is, to some extent, or primarily even, it is the story of the split between Abraham and Lot. It is the story about how Lot winds up going to Sodom. Um, it is the story how Abraham loses his prospective inheritor um, on the assumption that Lot would be the one who would have inherited him. It is a story about how Abraham remains truly alone, without anyone to carry on for him. Now, in order to understand um, the story of Perikudim, or the story of the split of Avram and Lot, we need to look carefully at the two verses that depict the, the cause of the split, or the reason for the split between Avram and Lot. So let's go back here again to um, a Pasuk uh, Vav and Zion. And the land cannot carry them together. Because they had a lot of stuff. And they could not dwell together. The Torah emphasizes that again. And there was a struggle between the shepherds. I think there's kind of an obvious question for me to ask her, which is quite simply, what was the fight about? It's not at all clear what uh, the fight between the shepherds of Abraham and the shepherds of Lot is about. And that's one issue. And the second issue here is, Vakani Vaprizi What is the point of the Torah informing us that the Kanani and the Prizi then dwelt in the land? How is that relevant to the struggle between the shepherds of Abram between the shepherds and the shepherds of Lot, between the conflict, to the conflict between them? And how is that connected to the cause of their, how is that part and parcel of the cause of their, of their separation of the splitting off one uh, from the other. Now, both Ramban and Rashi have something to say about this, and I'd like to um, begin with the comment of, of Ramban here. Um, Ramban uh, tells us uh, as follows. Valdera uh, Pshat, and in accord with the path of Pshat, Haitam Riva Alha Mar'eh. The struggle between the shepherds was simply about available grazing land, about pasture. Uh, as it says in the previous pasuk, because there wasn't sufficient land, uh, the land could not carry them literally, there was not sufficient room in the land. And when um, the cattle of Avram would graze, the uh, cattle of Lot, or the shepherds of Lot would bring his cattle to graze in the same area. Um, and at this point, Avram and Lot were only guests. They were sojourners in the land. Um, Avram was afraid. Pachad is the language Ramban uses here that perhaps the Kanani and the Prizi would hear, because of this fight or because of the disagreement, uh, this would come to the attention of the local authorities. The local authorities would be displeased about how wealthy or how much stuff Avram and Lot had, how much place they took up, and they would, they would chase them away. Or they would, um, put, they would 
uh, attack them uh, and smite them by the sword. And they would take their cattle and their stuff. Because at this point in time, it was uh, the right of uh, the Kanani and the Prizi to dwell in the land. And then uh, Ramban finishes this up for us. That's why it mentions that the Kanani and the Prizi um, were uh, in the land at that time. So what Ramban tells us is we should understand the struggle between Avram and Lot, uh, meaning the struggle between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot, as primarily being about available grazing space exactly as the Torah says. In terms of what was available for them at that time, um, there was not enough space uh, for them. Why? Well, because the land did not yet belong to them. Avram had promised the land, but that was at some point in the distant future. At this point, the Kanani and the Prizi were the legitimate and rightful owners of the land. Um, they ran things, so to speak. And hence, A, there was a practical, pragmatic problem of not enough grazing space. B, because of the battle that broke out over grazing space, Avram was afraid. He was concerned lest the fight or his wealth come to the attention of the local authorities and he'd be either chased out of the land or... Um, uh, put to the sword. And because of this, Avram suggests to Lot, Lot will let us split up so that there won't be a struggle, nothing uh, ill or bad will come of the situation, and it's for the best that we split up, and this is the interpretation of Ramban. Period. Now, famously, Rashi disagreed with Ramban, or disagrees with Ramban, um, regarding both of these questions. A, the cause of the struggle between the shepherds of Lot and the shepherds of Abraham, um, and in addition, uh, the explanation for the inclusion of the text of the phrase Vakani Vaprizi Azusheb Baretz, and Rashi takes us in an altogether different direction. Commenting on the words Vahi Riv, Rashi says as follows: Why was there a struggle? Fishayu Roim Shalot Rishayim. The shepherds of Lot were evildoers. Umarim Behemtam Besadot Acherim, and they would graze their animals in the fields of others. Veroe Avraham Mochichimotam. But of course, the shepherds of Avraham were not evildoers, uh, because how could the shepherd of Avraham be an evildoer? What would they do? They would give reproof to the shepherds of Lot upon this act of gezel, upon this act of theft. And then what would the shepherds of Lot respond? The shepherds of Lot responded, but wait a second, the land was given to Avraham, and he has another, no other inheritor. And Lot will inherit him, and it's not theft at all. What is the point of this Rashi? The idea here is, is that the struggle between the shepherds of Lot and the shepherds of Avraham is not a practical struggle over grazing land, but it's rather a moral struggle about right and wrong. Um, Lot, and apparently um, the shepherds of Lot, and apparently by the instigation of Lot, um, are a bit presumptuous about the rights of Lot to the land. Uh, after all, Avram is going to inherit the land eventually. Uh, it seems a technical matter that he has not yet inherited it. And if so, the current inhabitants of the land have no rights to the land whatsoever. There's absolutely no problem to graze their sheep wherever uh, they want, because after all, it all belongs to Avram. It all belongs to Lot, who in effect is the inheritor of Avram. The shepherds of Avram disagree. The point is... It's true, God has promised the land to Avram, but that is in the future. 
As of now, the land rightfully belongs to the Knani and the Prizi. As such, the action of the shepherds of Lot uh, is gzela, is theft, and there is this struggle about right and wrong between the shepherds of Abraham and the shepherds of Lot. Now, um, what is the point uh, of this Midrash? Well, the point of the Midrash is cited by Rashi is to explain the text. But it's also to make the point that the separation between Lot and Avram is not simply a matter of pragmatics, of a practical issue of there being enough space in the land and the possible fear of the inhabitants of the land. Rather, the separation between Lot and Avram has its roots in the moral qualities of Lot's side of the story, of the shepherds of Lot and the implication of Lot himself. The cause of the separation is because of the moral stature, or lack of moral stature, of Lot and his shepherds, which means, simply put, they could not uh, dwell together. Now, um, to some extent, uh, we might find a parallel to this um, a bit uh, later on um, in uh, Sefer Breshit, another story which uses um, similar language. We took a, take a look a bit, a bit later on in Perak Lamed Vav, in chapter 36, in Pasuk Vav. There, the Torah tells us the story of the separation of Yaakov and Esav. And if we look there in Perak Lamed Vav, Pasuk Vav, the Torah says as follows, Ve'ikach Esav et nashav et panav et penotav et kol nefashot beito ve'et mekneu ve'et kol be'emto ve'et kol kinino asher rachash be'aretz kenan. So we have this notion of rachush, all the stuff of Esav, and what does he do? He takes it all. Ve'elech al eret mepnei Yaakov achiv, and he goes to a different land because of Yaakov achiv. Ki'ayar rachusham rav mishevet yachtav, almost the exact same language. As Perak Yodimel, the notion of Rechush, Shevet Yachdav, Velo Yachla Aretz, the land was not able, Mugarem, Laseto, Tamipnei, to carry them. So we have here quite a similar situation where because of the great amount of stuff and the land being unable to bear them, Esau moves over, he leaves Eretz Yisrael and goes to Evrayardain, to Seir, etc. Now, true, the Torah tells it this way, but we know on some level it's not just about... Um, the pragmatics of Esav having too much stuff and Yaakov having too much stuff to stay together. It's also about the character of Esav and Yaakov. Esav and Yaakov just don't mix. They just don't go together in some way. And in some ways, Esav belongs in Eberardain. So, I think there's a certain parallel here. We might be able to kind of bring a proof to Rashi's approach about this being, about the moral qualities uh, of Lot or Lotness from the parallel uh, to the story of Yaakov and Esav uh, that we find here. Uh, however, um, a far better proof uh, that the story here in Perekki Gimel is about the moral stature or lack of moral stature of Lot uh, may come from the continuation uh, of the Sipur of the story, or perhaps to some extent the larger context uh, or surrounding um, these uh, two psukim. And let us look carefully at the continuation here. I think something very interesting uh, emerges. Um, in Pasuk Tet, Abraham makes his offer. Separate from me. He said, let there not be a war or a struggle. Let there not be a struggle between us. Because we're brothers. So the whole land uh, is in front of you. Separate from me. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Um, now, what's important to realize here is that normally in Tanakh, um, when you stand, you stand facing east. Uh, so assuming that Avram and Lot are located somewhere, Al-Gav on the mountain ridge of Judea and Samaria, 
Um, they are standing facing the east, facing Yamamelach, Sodom, Jordan, it's Evrayadin, etc. And Avram says, go right and go left. When he says go right and go left, he means go either north or, or go south. Stay within, so to speak, the area of Eretz Canaan relatively nearby, north, south, etc. What happens? Pasuk Yud. Lot et Inav, and Lot lifts up his eyes, apparently straight forward or straight ahead. Vayar, and he sees et kol kikarayardain, the entire plain of the Jordan River Valley. Kichulam mashkeh lefnei shachet Hashem et Sdom ve'et because all of it was well watered before God destroyed Sdom v'amorah. Kigan Hashem ke'eretz Mitzrayim, it was like the garden of God, like the land of Egypt towards Tsoar. Now, this is a very strange phrase, we'll have to come back to this in a second. Uh, Lot chose for himself the entire plain of the Jordan Valley, and he traveled to the east. A man separated from his brothers. Avram um, dwelt in the land of Canaan, etc., etc. Now, the question is here what did Lot see exactly, and why did he choose for himself this entire Kikar Yardin? Well, the Torah tells us um, that it was that it was all well-watered, and it was like Gan Hashem. Uh, it looked to, to Lot like Gan Hashem. Now, what Kulam means is that it was, it was well-irrigated. And what does it mean, Gan Hashem? Well, it means it was like the Garden of Eden, because the Garden of Eden is also uh, a place that is uh, well-watered uh, by rivers. If we go back to Perak uh, Gimel uh, in the Torah, pardon me, to Perak Bet, uh, in the Torah. Um, the Torah tells us in Perak Bet, Pasuk Yud, uh, There was a river um, that left Eden uh, to water the garden. We get the names of the rivers. And the point is, is that Gan Eden is a wonderful place. It's a fertile place. Uh, it's naturally irrigated. Uh, there's really no need to be dependent upon rain. Um, there's no need to have to worry about one's material stature there. Things will grow well. If one had cattle, theoretically one could water them there because it's a fertile and well-watered place. And that's exactly what Lot sees when um, he looks up and sees the Kikarayardin, the Jordan River Plain, the place of Stone Bamurah before God destroyed it. It's Kigan Hashem. It's uh, well-watered like the Garden of Eden. Eretz Mitzrayim. It's exactly like Eretz Mitzrayim. Well, Mitzrayim is well-watered by the Nile. Um, it's a fertile place, uh, etc. Uh, now, on some level, um, why Gan Hashem Ka'aretz Mitzrayim? Well, I think we could argue that Eretz Mitzrayim is uh, a relatively important place uh, for Lot. Because what is the cause of all of uh, the story here? The cause is, of course, the Rechush Rav that um, both Avram and Lot have. If we take a look in Parak Yudimu Pasoke, the Gamla Lot Halechet Avram, Hayatzon, Uvakar, Va'ohalim. Well, Lot, who also accompanies Avraham, has Tzon, Uvakar, Va'ohalim. Well, where did he get all of this? The place that Lot got all of this was back in the previous parak, um, when Avram and Lot had been down in Mitzrayim. When, of course, uh, Paro, uh, in that story, um, gave Avraham large amounts of rechosh, large amounts of stuff. Parak Yudbet, Pasuk Tetzayin tells us, Avraham 
Um, and it was good for Avram, and he had Tzon, Vakar, Vachamorim, Vavadim, Ushvachot. Now, obviously, uh, the same as Avraham became rich in Mitzrayim, so too Lot uh, became rich in Mitzrayim. Um, when the Torah tells us uh, in Pasokei, Vagamla Lot HaOlech, at Avraham Hayatzon, Vakar, Vavadim, it's because Lot had accompanied Avraham. He had gone down to Mitzrayim, he had become rich there. So, when Lot picks up his eyes and sees the Jordan River, which is it's a Garden of Eden for him, um, it's well watered, it's fertile, it's easy, it's, a, it's like Eretz Mitzrayim. It's a place where Lot can continue to prosper, where he can become richer, he can maintain his flocks, and this is what attracts Lot to choose the area of Stone Vamara to eventually settle into, into Sodom. Now, so what Lot sees is material goods, the opportunity to be rich, but what does Lot not see? Well, what Lot does not see is exactly what the Torah tells us here at the very end uh, of the story. Um, in Pasuk Yud Bet Yud Gimel, it says as follows: Avram Yashab Eretz Canaan. Avram remained in the land of Canaan. Lot Yashab Kikar. And here there exists the possibility that Lot, in fact, even leaves uh, the land of Canaan. He goes over to the Kikar Yarden, perhaps even the other side of the Yarden, similar. Uh, to a sovereign similar to where we eventually find his descendants Amonu Moab, Ayel Ad Sodom. Um, so because of his desire for material wealth to live in a river valley situation, he leaves Avram completely and goes to a place that's a garden of Eden for him, that's effectively Egypt, that's Sodom. And then here, there's a voice shift in the Torah in Pasuk Gimel, Va'anshei Sodom Ra'im V'chata'im L'Hashem Lot's vision includes the material wealth of Sodom and the possibility of getting rich, but it does not include their moral evil. He does not see that they are in the He is perfectly willing to go to a place where people are great sinners to God if it means that he can maintain his wealth, that he can become richer, and he separates from Abraham. This is the person we are talking about. This is the moral stature of Lot. And by no surprise, the Midrash tells us, oh, what was the fight between the shepherds about? Well, the shepherds were gazlanim because they were interested in material wealth. Well, that's because their master Lot was interested in material wealth. We have Avram, who is Avram, and we have Lot, who is interested in nothing but the material, and therefore, by no surprise, they separate from each other, and Lot goes over to the other, other side, to Stom, to Evayardain. He effectively separates from the Mesorah of Avraham. Now, what this interpretation of Perikyu Gimel forces upon us, I think, is, is a crucial question. And that is, how would we expect Avraham to relate to Lot, after Lot has chosen Sodom, after Lot has chosen uh, the pursuit of material wealth, after Lot has separated himself from the dreams of Avraham and from the traditions that Avraham is developing. Well, I think on some level, part of Perakudalid is about answering uh, that question. Let us now go back to Perakudalid uh, and what we define before as the second section of the story the snapshot, the picture of Avraham in battle. And now let's take a look, a careful look at the text. Perakudalad Pasukid Bet says as follows, et lot ben achi Avraham. So, the victorious kings, the um, coalition of Mesopotamian kings who had vanquished all of the people uh, on the east, all the peoples on the eastern bank of the Jordan in their uh, on, on their way to do battle in Canaan. Um, they took Lot. Um, they took Lot, the nephew of Avraham, the Torah says, and of course he had dwelt in Sodom. 
And then in Pasuk Gimel, the refugee comes and tells Avraham. Um, and now let's look at Avraham's reaction. Pasuk Dalad. Vayishma Avraham ki nishba achiv. Avraham heard that his brother had been taken capture. Now, the language of the Torah in Pasuk Yudbet was ben achi. It's his nephew. But how does Avraham relate to him? Avraham relates to him as a brother. And this is the exact same relation that Avraham has back to him back in Perak Gimel, back to Lod, back in Perak Gimel. We're brothers. So even after Lot has chosen Sodom, even after Lot has left Avram, Avram still relates to him as his brother. And what is Avram willing to do for his brother, quote unquote? Well, take a look at the very next pasuk. He takes his 318 men, according to Pshutash and Mikra. Of course, according to the famous Midrash and Chazal, it's just one person. It's Eliezer, his, his servant. Um, and he chases after this powerful coalition of kings, the most powerful army in the ancient Near East, and he engages in this insane battle, and he is victorious, of course, but he takes insane risks against uh, these kings. Why? All for his brother. In other words, what we can claim here is that the story is really about the avat achim, the love of brothers that Avram demonstrates here. And it's precisely this point in the story which is the reason for the inclusion of the entire story. Oh, part one, the power of the kings, well, that's just to tell us what Avram is up against. Part two, the victory of Avram, well, that's primarily about the avat achim of Avram, the love that Avram demonstrates for Lot, the dedication to Lot, the concern for Lot, despite... Lot's moral stature, despite the fact that he has chosen Sodom, still Avram's dedication to Lot continues on and is constant. And the story is really here about Avram's dedication to Lot. And that's maybe the point of the inclusion of Perak Yudalad, or one of the reasons for the inclusion of Perak Yudalad in the Torah. That is one of the ways that it fits in here to the larger saga of Avraham's life. But, in fact, I think this is only part of it. I think there's another aspect here. And I would like to return to uh, the comment of Ramban that we took a look at previously to um, elucidate this aspect and to kind of try to finish things up. Um, if we go back, because I think there's another uh, interesting relationship between Parakid Gimel and Parakid Dalit that can be glimpsed through the comments of Ramban that we looked at previously. Um, if we go back to Ramban's interpretation of the struggle between the shepherds of Lot and the shepherds of Avraham. If you remember, Ramban had emphasized the practical aspect of the struggle and Avraham's, Avraham's fear. Um, to return to the text of Ramban, Vinei Avraham velot hayu gerim betoshevim ba'aretz, they were simply sojourners in the land, temporary dwellers. Upachad Avraham pen yishma haknani vaprizi yoshev ba'aretz koved mitneem diigrashem. O yaku otam lafi charev v'yaku lahem mitneem v'rechusham. Avram was concerned, Avram was fearful, Avram was afraid. He was cautious, he was pragmatic, he was careful. After all, God had promised the land, but that was not right now. In the here and now, there was this problem of the Knani and the Prizi. And if they found out about how much stuff Avram and Lot had, if they heard about the struggle, Avram might be thrown out of the land or even put to the sword. So Avram is cautious, Avram is pragmatic. Avram is careful, and therefore he suggests to Lot, well, let us split up before the word reaches the authorities. 
I think we can't really talk about a, a greater contrast than to the Avram we find in um, Perak Yudalad. Going back again to Perak Yudalad, um, Pasuk Yudalad, uh, uh, chapter, chapter 14, verse 14. Avram nishba achiv. Avram heard that his brother had been captured. Um, and he chases after these kings. Um, how could this be? How could one person plus another 318 warriors take on uh, an entire coalition? This is not practical, this is not pragmatic, and this is not cautious. The answer is, uh, on some level, well, Avram's concern for his brother overwhelms his caution, it overwhelms his pragmatism, it overwhelms his carefulness. And again, this is about the character of Avram. But I think it's, it's more than that. Um, because um, as we go on in the story, we see that uh, in the last part of the story, at the parley of the kings, Avram's victory is attributed uh, to a particular force. Remember, we have the story there of, of Malki Tzedek. And the Torah tells us, Malki Tzedek melech shleim hoti lechem b'yayim u'choyen l'keleyon. He brought up bread and wine to the parley, and he was a priest of the God Most High. Paskitet v'yavachayu v'yomer baruch Avram l'eleyon konei shemayim v'arts. Blessed is Avram to the God Most High, the creator of the heavens and the earth, obviously Hashem. Pasukaf, but not named yet. Malki Tzedek is a monotheist, um, but does not necessarily know the shame Hashem. Pasukaf, uvaruch keleyon Hashem begin tzarecha biyadecha v'yitain lo maaser mikol. And blessed is uh, the God Most High who has protected you. Malki Tzedek says that it is the God Most High who has protected Avraham. And then, what does Avraham say just a few verses later in refusing the offer of Melech Sedom? Pasukaf bet. Vayomer Avram el Sedom Harimoti Yadi el Hashem Kel Elyon Konei Shemayim Varetz. I lifted up my hand in an oath to God, Hashem, Shem Hashem, Shem Avaya, who is the God Most High, who has created heaven and earth. And then Avram goes on to say, I'm not going to take any of you from, King Sedo- from Sodom, lest they say uh, that uh, the king of Sodom made Avram rich. Avram says, Hey, Malki Tzedek, know that it is Hashem the God Most High who has protected me, and B, you know, Melech Sodom, that I'm not going to take anything from you. It is only God who will provide for Abraham. The end of the story is where Abraham states explicitly that it is Hashem, Shem Havaya, who protects, who provides. It is a story in which Abraham proclaims his faith publicly. And in fact, on some level, the entire story is a story about Abraham's understanding and faith in Shem Havaya, to protect him, um, um, to enrich him, etc. What gave Avram the power or the ability uh, to throw caution to the winds, uh, to be impractical, to chase after the kings, to rescue his brother Lot, and to allow that concern of Lot to come to uh, manifestation, it's his faith in HaKadosh Baruch It's the fact that Abraham is able to have that faith that God will help him, that God will provide for him, that God will lead him on. That's what allows him uh, to um, move ahead and to chase after those kings all that night. In other words, the contrast between um, Abraham of Perikidimel and Abraham of Perikidalid could not be, in some sense, greater. Um, in Perikidimel, we have Avram cautious, pragmatic, concerned, and afraid of the inhabitants of the land, lest they put him to the sword. But in Perak Yudalit, in a slightly different context, here we see when there's a moral imperative 
um, to rescue his brother. Here we see Avram as uh, the, the exemplar of faith, of trusting in God, knowing that God will protect him, and acting with faith to chase after the kings and do the right thing to rescue his brother. So this is a story not just about um, the avatachim, the concern for, for Lot, um, that Avram manifests. It's also about Avram's faith and Avram's Zemuna, perhaps a story uh, of development even of Avram's faith. And in that sense, it's part of the, the saga, the larger saga of the Avram narrative.